Oh, hello you, it's Graham Norton here. Thank you very much for listening to my Virgin Radio podcast with Waitrose. This weekend, Arthur Darvall is in the West End, playing Curly in Oklahoma. Irish star Siobhan McSweeney and Mairead Tyres join me to talk about the brand new Disney Plus comedy series, Extraordinary. Actor Jason Watkins tells us about his new Channel 5 drama, The Catch. We catch up with Freya Ridings as she joins us for our first Sunday session of 2023 and we discuss her brand new single, Weekends. And we're putting our heads together to solve your dilemmas in Graham's Guide. Here's Maria to kick us off. Graham, can I just say... You can just say... We have had... Three months of January. It has been going on a while, hasn't it? Oh, my goodness. This has to be the longest month ever, even <laughs> though, of course, it's the same as every other month. Of... Uh, yeah, no, it has been dragging on. I mean, it? I feel like I'm sort of possibly half woman, half tortoise, <laughs> because I just love the idea of getting into bed and staying there till March. Wouldn't that be lovely? And, you know, and also then you'd have, you know, you'd lose a bit of weight, be ready for the summer... It's just so hard. I'm not sure you'd lose weight. I think you'd look you'd look kind of a weird fleshy colour, like something that's been under a stone. You know, you have a stone that's kind of a, a that's worm. That's what I look like anyway. There's, there's a worm there. You're like that, ugh, kind of fleshy, I mean, non-toned. No, when bears hibernate and then they go into their burrow, then they come out, they're all skinny, and then they have to eat straight away, all of that stuff. Yes, but of course they never get to, they never get to enjoy their skinniness because they always look a bit fat in their big baggy fur coat, don't they? <laughs> in their big baggy. <laughs> that lady who did a, who rang in about the bleeding radiators, she'd bled them. Rather, yes, I'm not yeah, swearing. No, um, <laughs> I, that's exactly what I did. Turn the thing off. That's the problem. I didn't turn it off. The, he, the radiators weren't on, but I hadn't turned the system off. And then it drains the system underneath your boiler. With most boilers, there are two taps. Try both of them and you'll hear the water filling up. Then you'll see the pressure gauge going up. Then you turn it off again. So it's full. Yeah, we were told that. Somebody somebody texted oh, in. Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you just heard the problle. No, somebody, Lexi, uh, very kindly texted oh, oh, in. Oh, right, Lexi. <laughs> and she she very sensibly just Google your boiler and there'll be instructions uh, on there. Well, Lexi's very sensible. Yeah. Tell me about your week, please. Was it ooh, very grand ooh, and ooh, was it very ooh. starry? Yeah, quite sorry, but also last night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, last night I made a return visit to ABBA. Voyage. You're so gay. I know. Uh, it was. I think I enjoyed it more uh, second time round. Was that because the first time you were overexcited and weren't really concentrating? Well, no. The first time round, I spent so much of it. Because if people don't know, Abba Voyage is the thing in East London where you see the Abba holograms perform a concert. And the first time round, they're not holograms, but the first what time round. I, well, that's the thing. The first time, all I did was stare at it going, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> where what? are the little people What's behind those that? images? Where, where are the strings? Uh, <laughs> how, how are they making that work? So, I, I kind of wasted a lot of my enjoyment on just trying to figure it out. This time, you just I, accepted I it. Just, I just went, there they are. I don't know how, but they're there. Oh, well, see, and I now just you've, you've piqued my interest when you say they're not holograms. I need, please, can somebody behind the glass um, find out what no, exactly No, no, nobody they are. knows. It's a, it's what do you a, mean, nobody knows? It's a trade secret. It's not magic. But it, anyway, it is kind of magic. I keep seeing everyone who's gone saying, it is amazing, it's worth going, and a bit like you have gone back for more. Yeah. It's a big party night, isn't it? It. Did you dance in the aisles? Uh, I didn't. Some people did. So, oh no, everybody did. 
Everybody did. There was actually, do you know what was really, really lovely? Somebody had brought uh, presumably a granny or a mother, and she was, you know, well on in age, not drunk. Uh, when she wanted to be drunk too. But she was in a wheelchair and she was sort of in front of us. We were kind of on an aisle and, the, yeah, and then yeah. the, the accessible seats were right in front of us. And, you know, and she sat there and I, you sort of thought, oh, really? You know, because these tickets are quite expensive and like, is this really an ABBA fan? Oh, yeah. By the end of the show, doing so much armography, uh, absolutely loving it. It was kind of really heartwarming. It's and gorgeous. everyone sings along as well. They sing along. Is but that it, annoying? No, you're... no, it's so loud you can't hear them. I, I was singing and I couldn't hear myself. That's how good it is. <laughs> That's because you're a bit deaf. <laughs> yeah, there's that. Uh, but I... I loved it. And, and people dress up. And I mean, I think Friday and Saturday, it's a bit leery because, you know. Oh, because well, people get drunk. Well, people get a bit overexcited on their way. Yes, you know, and, yes. And uh, there's, there's some fine Too wines. Too much lager and lime. There's, a, there's some fine wines available. And... Oh, you can buy them there? Oh, yeah. And you can oh, bring yeah. them in. You can bring them in with you. <laughs> it's like I've never been out in my life before. <laughs> what? There's, what? There's a concert and drinks. Um, tell me something work? because I couldn't I deleted it by mistake on the train just now who was your favourite guest on your show this week I can't pick favourite oh come on just give me a little hint um, well I, I, it was very nice to see Brendan Fraser again we haven't seen Brendan Fraser on the show for about 15 years I mean, isn't he do I think him and uh, Jennifer Coolidge I'm very pleased to see both of their comebacks yes which means that you know life isn't over and I know he does quite a lot of very emotional things about just follow your dream and have the strength to get back up again and all of that which is true (laughs) (laughs) but you know you've got to love him because he has come back like phoenix from the ashes ditto jennifer coolidge and all her madness what does she call herself she calls herself a hot mess yeah in fairness (laughs) Uh, hey hot mess uh find some letters and read them aloud virgin radio Um, the people behind the glass have been busy oh, yes. saying about Abba Voyage. We know we didn't know whether it was... Abba Voyage. Abba Voyage. Yeah. Yeah, Michelle Visage. <laughs> um, the director, Bailey Walsh, said that they were with Abba, the actual real Abba, for yeah. five weeks in Sweden. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. the actual Abba as they are now old. Mm-hmm. Uh, they filmed with them with 160 cameras. Yeah. And shush, and they wore motion capture suits yeah. as they went through the set list. Yeah. So that still doesn't really explain anything. No, it doesn't it. explain anything. Yeah. <laughs> but, but interesting, and also Frida does some dancing in this show that I don't think Frida now did. Oh, really? <laughs> I mean, maybe she does still have the use of herself, but uh, but I mean, <laughs> have the use of herself—that's such an Irish expression. Sure, she's lost the use of, use of herself. <laughs> oh no. She used to have the use of herself. Please, will you say that about me at my in my obituary? <laughs> I will. She lost the use of herself. <laughs> it was best she went. This tickled me. I'm going to read you a problem oh, now. Please, <clears throat> dear Graham and Maria. My 17-year-old daughter had a house party last weekend with some school friends that stayed over with us. Other friends who came to the party stayed with another local family. We agreed that our daughter and house guests could be out having fun until 1am when we would count them all back in and check that everyone was in good shape! Exclamation mark. We live in the centre of a small and relatively safe city. One of the friends, let's call her Sophie... 
lives further out and we know she's struggling at the moment. She was meant to be staying over with the other family. However, she turned up on our doorstep at 9am the next day with no memory of where she'd been the night before, having gone out with a random stranger. She had arranged for her father to pick her up from our house and she begged us not to say anything to him. We only know him very slightly from bumping into each other at school sports events. Do we? Here are the choices. One, say nothing to anyone. Two, speak to the other family hosting the girls to let them know that they lost one of them. But perhaps they know that already. They clearly don't feel responsible for teenagers staying with them. Three... Speak to Sophie's family to say she was in danger and spent the night with a random stranger. Poem. She's 17 and vulnerable. My daughter describes her as a car crash. (laughs) Are we overprotective parents of a 17-year-old daughter? Should we just accept that teenagers will do risky things? Clearly something has gone wrong here. And that is from Amanda in East Sussex. Oh, Amanda in East Sussex. I mean, I don't feel qualified for this because I don't have a 17-year-old daughter. Um, and, and, you know, there are ways to behave. But I would just say, Amanda from East Sussex, think yourself back to when you were 17 or 16 or 18 or whenever you behaved badly and know that it's sort of necessary to put to do to behave badly. I mean, this sounds a little bit further than that because she has no memory Either she, you know, was completely drunk and someone took her in and looked after her. Let's hope that that was the way it went. I'm going to err. I'm Graham may well disagree with me here. I'm going to say, say nothing to the parents because she has begged you to do that. Because, Amanda from East Sussex, she's safe. I think, you know, she came back, she is safe, she probably frightened herself. Yeah, he was by, hoping. By yeah. this incident that happened to her, having no, I mean, complete memory loss, maybe she was given Rohypnol or something, or too much to drink, but she's safe now. I think who you talk to here, Amanda from East Sussex, if you want to be a nice parent to your daughter's friend, is Sophie, let's call her Sophie, because... I think you need to know what's going on with her and I think you need to say to her who we, you know, delve further. Did you meet somebody at a bar? Did you go back to their house with them? And her saying she has no memory was just a quick cover story. She may well open up to you. If you say, listen, I promise I won't tell your father, but if you tell me, then we can work out why this happened and we can stop it happening in the future and we can work out what it was you were drinking so that you can avoid that in the future and what else is going on in your life. You can do that. You could you would do that to your own daughter, Amanda. So do it for Sophie and then you can help her without getting anybody else involved. That would yeah. be I mean, I think people will disagree hardly strongly with me, not even hardly. I, well so. I think I think parents will probably go, No, I would want to know. But, yeah, of look, course. Uh, but I would say the good things that have gone on here is that this uh, girl, when she showed up at nine o'clock in the morning, told you. Yeah. She didn't make up a silly story. She said something bad happened, and I don't know, or at least I don't know what happened. But please, da, da, da. now I think there's a, some. Uh, the other thing, you know, I know you're saying, oh, this other about the other family. I think you need to say something to your, to your daughter. You all went out as a gang. Uh, to have your good time. Now, you lost one of your gang. And I imagine that the the others, when they went back to the house, just made up some story and said, oh, no, she's fine, she's with the others, or, you know... Well, this girl was meant to be staying with, with the, the other, other family. family. So, so when she didn't show up with the other family... They must I'm, have thought... I'm guessing the kids 
said... She's with... Oh, she's with... So, Amanda's family. Yeah, I feel like the kids should have taken better care of her. I know it's hard yeah. if somebody's out of control and da-da-da-da. I just think, you know, when you're, when you're having your own good time, nobody wants to be the babysitter for, let's call her Sophie, um, who's a bit Billy Bonkers at the moment or going through a tough time. And they're all too busy being overexcited and having their own nice time. I mean, somebody will know, someone will know something. So I yes. think, you know, quiz your talk, daughter. Yeah, talk to your daughter because there's and more to this story. And get her to talk story. to Sophie. If, she, if Sophie won't talk to you, maybe get your daughter to talk to her and say, what's going on? Have you got difficulties at home? This can't happen again. My mum was very upset, but she has kept her promise and not told your dad. But you do have to let her know what's going on. And, uh, well, also, I guess maybe somebody else needs to know because, you know, if the daughter's saying, oh, this girl's a car crash, da 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 So it may be... Because if, if, if this was a one-off and you just think, oh, this is going to scare her into mm. just... I'm never mm. doing that again. It sounds like this that isn't what's going on here, that this girl is on some sort of weird spiral Well, that's of why I think Amanda must talk to Sophie about why she is a car crash. What is causing this? Is is it a boyfriend trouble? Is it a girlfriend trouble? Is it something going on at home? Is it something at school? She must find out from but, Sophie. But I, I feel like Aman- Amanda, uh. if anything bad happens here... And we discover, you know, it is discovered that Amanda knew about this. Right. Yeah, Amanda needs to tell this to... She needs to share this information with another adult. Whether it's a teacher, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the best thing to do here. But But she's got some quite... Uh, quite difficult information here. Yeah, I and, see and what you're saying. If she talks to Sophie and then finds out the gen- general thing, the, she, Amanda can then talk to, perhaps to the father, not about that incident, but just say, we noticed that Sophie is struggling a bit at the moment and, you know, we thought maybe she might want to come and stay with us for the weekend or something. Is yes. it difficult? You know, I feel you, like Amanda needs more information because we don't know, is she struggling because of stuff that's happening at home? Yes. In which Amanda case you... needs it, and so do I. Yeah. And so do you. Yeah, we all do. But but I think Amanda... Yes, I, I think the other family is a total red herring. Your option two about talking to the other family. Yeah, Forget that's that. just shaming them. Yeah, that's no just, need for that. Yeah, no need for that. Um, I, I think, yes, you need to talk to Sophie some more and maybe another responsible adult. I don't know who, but somebody else. I think after speaking to Sophie, she could maybe involve Sophie's family. Yeah, the responses, part one. My favourite responders will be getting a Waitrose number one coffee and caramel cake. (gasps) Tell us more, Graham. Well, it's coffee sponge filled and topped with coffee and salted caramel buttercream. Decorated with, what have they chosen? (gasps) Cocoa nibs. Cocoa nibs all over the top of it. Oh, it's a way to stop one coffee and caramel cake. Right, uh, Sarah from uh, Tynemouth says, you have to tell her parents. She's vulnerable and this kind of risky behaviour will happen again if others around her don't know and help don't know and don't help to safeguard her. Amanda has been put in that position, so pass that on to the parents who need to take ownership here. James Enfield also says, tell the parents. I appreciate Amanda's intentions are well meant, but if something really bad happens and the parents haven't been informed, she will be forever blamed. Also, would she be able to handle the guilt for the rest of her life? That's what I was thinking. If this escalates and then it transpires that Amanda knew all along, uh, yeah, really bad, bad situation to be in. Uh, Jen, though, Jen says, if she can't go to her parents, she felt safe enough to come to you. 
Invite her round for dinner with your daughter, if your daughter is happy with that. Stay chilled. Make sure she knows she has you to approach. As a parent, I think I would feel happier knowing that my children had someone they felt safe enough to go to than the police turning up at my doorstep because they've come to harm. I've taken the supportive approach with my 22-year-old and he tells me way too much, but I love that I that he can. Yet... <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine listening to a 22-year-old thinking, I don't want to know this. Please don't tell me this. Uh, but you're right, it is good that he, he feels he can. As a mother of a 17-year-old girl, I would want to know if my daughter is in trouble. Amanda shouldn't have the responsibility of dealing with this alone and so should speak to Sophie to persuade her to tell her parents herself. Amanda could give Sophie a few days to come clean. If not, Amanda can legitimately talk to them herself. Sophie's safety is the issue here and she needs support. Emmy, Emily in Limington. I tell you what, Emily, I think that's a good kind of halfway house because you're, you're, you're not betraying the girl's trust, but equally you are telling her, look, this can't go on and you must do something. So I tell you what, Emily, you get the a delicious waitress number one coffee and caramel cake. Graham's Guide. Uh, I decline the letter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do, Graham. I'm going to stop you right there. Um, dear Graham and Maria, I'm about to celebrate a significant birthday and plan to go away on a city break to Salzburg. We plan to do lots of walking and see the city sights. However, one of the two ladies cannot walk further than 100 yards without needing to stop and rest, thereby making getting around difficult for us. Am I being selfish by not wishing to involve her in this trip? Perhaps we can do another trip another time. I had mentioned this a while ago, and she seemed very keen at the time, but I've not brought it up in a while. I have kept the trip conversation going with another close friend, though, and we've booked to go. Oh, how do I break the news to my other friend that I don't wish for her to come? Ah, and that is from Fiona in Surrey. Oh, Fiona in Surrey, you've actually already booked this holiday, so this is academic now, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> About, um, yeah. because I'm not sure if she can come. She can't come. She can't come. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think you um, could have explained to her, look, I'm going with you know, Barbara, because we love walking. We, as you know, oh, walk, I mean, walk, 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 can't stop walking. Everywhere, walk, 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 Rihanna. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Whereas you, <laughs> you. And we know that this is difficult for you. I mean, you could stay in coffee shops or shop in a <laughs> But we don't think you'd enjoy it. So I'm thinking maybe a spa later in the year. So you could have gone down that route. You haven't. You've gone down. I'm, I've booked it. I mentioned it to her, but now she's not coming. So it's difficult. I think you just have to try and say what I said in a different way. Like it's, look, we booked this holiday and it's really just a walking holiday. Yes, it's in Salzburg and there's lots of places to sit down. But yeah. um, we didn't think it would be right for you. So maybe we can do a trip later. I mean, you have to just present it as a fait accompli now. Yes, I, but I don't think you, you don't. You never need to say that you don't want her to come. You just say, you and T are going. You, like, there's no negative in this. It's not kind of like, yeah, you're no, not coming. Yeah, but she coming. has mentioned it to her before but and now, she was very keen. Well, so how do you backtrack I, I on would, that? I would disguise this holiday as a different one. I would say, oh, the sweetest thing. 
other friend has booked me a walking holiday in Central Europe. If somebody starts a Europe. conversation to meet with, the sweetest thing happened, I would already know they were lying. <laughs> uh, but you're right. If you if you then kind of go, um, oh... Um, Barbara for, for, booked yeah, it. For, yeah. No, but she mentioned it to the lady that can't walk. Yeah, no, but don't, don't was... say Salzburg. Don't get, get Salzburg. Just say Central Europe yeah, or the then, Alps. And then this lady with mobility issues is going to say, oh, where is it that you're going? And you just go, the Alps. <laughs> Up some hills. <laughs> yes. And then up some more hills. Yes. I'm not sure. I must ask Barbara. <laughs> yeah. She just told me to bring some hiking boots. And she specifically yeah. said, you're not coming. I think overcomplicating things. You just have to say, we knew that you wouldn't be able to do the walks, so we thought we'd book something else that was more suitable to you later in the year. Yeah, but I think book the thing. Don't just say, we must do that. Do it. Otherwise... She's booked it. No, she no, says... no. I mean, book the nice thing that you're going to do with the oh. woman who can't walk. Oh, yeah. Do yeah. that. So uh... You made an error here, Fiona, and sorry. So if, whether or not you want to go to a spa or not, to keep the other friend happy, you've got a book. Yeah. Do something that she, that she likes. Maybe uh, rent a sofa. Uh... Stop it. <laughs> I was going to say lying down a lot. <laughs> a beach holiday. Yes. Where you just have to get up from the hotel and go to the pool. It's so far. <laughs> Stop it now. I think, Fiona, you have slightly messed up here with, yes. your, with your befores and afters because you mentioned it to this lady who can't walk too far and then you and, and And also seemed keen. Seemed keen. And now you've booked it. But I think you bra- blame Barbara. Yeah. Blame Barbara. Say uh, Barbara wants to do a lot of walking, and so this seemed like it wasn't going to be yes. good for you. You know, Barbara never liked you. Uh... <laughs> well, that's the problem with three friends. You know, one's always going to be left out. Don't invite Barbara to the spa. No. Um, and also, here's the thing, Fiona. It's your birthday. You can do whatever the hell you want. Well, to you celebrate. can, but don't mention things to people and then rescind those invitations. Because they seemed, sli- they seemed keen at the time. I'm slightly annoyed with Fiona, frankly, <laughs> in Surrey, for mentioning it to the lady when she knew she was going to be doing a lot of plodding about. <laughs> in Salzburg, recreating <laughs> scenes from The Sound of Music. The responses, part two, now follows. And again, my favourite responder will be getting that delicious Waitrose number one coffee and caramel cake. Don't forget the cocoa nibs. Uh, right. Nikki in Staffordshire. She is a friend that cannot walk uh, due to a spinal issue. There are many trips planned throughout the year, city breaks, cottage holidays in hills, etc. when these are discussed. I'm the one that says, I can't do that. You arrange that. We'll do something later on or before. Perhaps they should have explained the plans better. Now, uh, do you know what, Nikki? I think you might be right. Because if you said... This is going to be a because you got to this a city break. If you're not that mobile, a city break sounds like oh yeah, I can do that. You know, I can get from the taxi to the restaurant, or you know, I can go into the museum of the art gallery. But yeah, um, uh, although it breaks my heart sometimes, I just can't do these things. And if anything, it's a relief to say my body won't allow it. We can arrange something else. Okay. I mean, yes, that is good advice, Nikki, but it's advice for the, the friend. So we're still not sure what Fiona should do. Uh, Carolyn Goventry. I think she should just be upfront and honest. Tell her friend that she's really sorry, but the trip is already booked. It involves a lot of walking and that she feels terrible about it. Admit that she should have spoken to her prior to booking and apologise. As someone with mobility issues myself, I know how this feels. Honesty is definitely the best course of action. All right, so says Carol. Uh, Val is in Whiteley or Whitley. Uh, maybe Fiona's friend really does want to come for the company and she'll be happy for the rest of the group to go off walking and she'll do her own thing during the day and meet up in the evening. 
I just think Fiona needs to say to her friend, we'll be doing lots of walking, and her friend may even bow out. And also, because it's a, a city, you know, it's not like you've booked something that, oh, sorry, Salzburg's full now, you can't come. I mean, she can still join this holiday if she wanted to. Uh, Sarah in Cornwall, why did Fiona even mention the mini break to her friend if she didn't want her to accompany her? Well, she hadn't thought it through. She just thought, oh, city break, let's all go. And then it was only after that she thought, mm, actually, that's going to be very walky. Um, you say you don't want your friend there due to her mobility issues, but is this just an excuse? Do you not, in fact, want her to come on the break with you? Your friend is an adult. Let her decide if she wants to accompany you on these walks. She might be happy pottering around the museums, etc. in Salzburg on her own. If you invited her on the break, you can't now withdraw that offer if she is your friend. I mean, it is tricky. We're not quite sure how full and frank an invitation it was uh, when she did it. We, 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 don't, we don't know. We don't know. Um, I Yeah. I tell you what, I'm going to give the uh, waitress number one coffee and caramel cake to Carol in Coventry because she's been there and she knows how she'd like that problem to be addressed with her. So that is fair enough. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Please welcome to the show Arthur Darville. Hello. Hello, Arthur Darville. Hello, Graham. Uh, there was some confusion. People thought Arthur Scargill was now starring in a new production of Oklahoma. Well, I mean, it would be quite the theatrical um, event of the year. It would be it? a coup. Yes. <laughs> to tempt Arthur so, yeah. out of retirement. <laughs> no. So, Oklahoma, people think they know Oklahoma. They don't. This is a very, very different perform uh, production. Uh, tell us about it. Well, it is. It is still Oklahoma. Oh yes, still, well, the tunes are still the, in there. The tunes are still in there. The the all the words are still the same. But it's it's they 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 call it sexy Oklahoma. Ooh, um, hello. Which I know. There's low. <laughs> well, you're in it. Well, I mean, that's I all they had to do. Why? Um, no. The, there's so much in the script and in the play that's kind of not mined normally in, in kind of productions that are razzle-dazzle. And yes. this really just kind of hones in on quite a lot of dark moments. I mean, it's filthy. The script is filthy. All right, well, steady now. Yeah, there's, but there's a lot of... There's a lot of <laughs> All right, uh, we believe you. Yes, yeah. it's, a, it's an absolutely filthy show. Um, come to the West End for a real dirty night out. No, it's really... Um, the, it's very seductive. It's a love yeah. story, but it's also about creating a community by ostracising someone and kind of how how a community kind of throws this person out and, and for what reason. But it's also about kind of trying to navigate love and and sexual tension yeah. and yeah because even great. even in the glossy film mm. the, all the stuff with Judd Fry yeah. is very dark it's but really here, dark. here it's even darker yeah it's much yeah. darker I mean so Patrick Vale who plays Judd in our production who's he's been with the show for years he was in the show in in New York he was I think he was in the show when the Daniel the director was developing it when he was at college like he's been doing it all the way but he's not what you would call your kind of normal casting for yeah. Judd Fry. He's kind of a very attractive man and it makes Laurie's... Dis it's kind of a bit of a love triangle. It kind of makes... kind of The, the central story is, is Laurie and Curly falling in love and, and Judd kind of Curly wanting to get rid of Judd. But this makes it far more ambiguous and you're kind of never sure whether Laurie's going to go with Judd or 
Yeah, and I, I I saw it on on Broadway, mm. and I know it was it looked similar to Young Vic. It's in this kind of big plywood box, yeah. and everyone is in it. How are you doing it at the Wyndhams? Well, the Wyndhams is an amazing space because it's. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was slightly worried at first going into because you go, oh, this is a really small, intimate show, and you want to go into the West End, but that theatre is so intimate and lovely, and they've worked on kind of ways of bringing the stage out a bit and. One of the things I loved about doing it at the Young Vic, which I think we're still going to achieve in the Wyndhams, is the audience feel very much part of the show and very much, um, you know, they're quite lit and they're quite involved. Yeah, it's shocking. You're shockingly lit. Yeah, yeah. You really are shockingly lit as an audience member in this. Um, but for us, that's great because you can look into each other's eye. And it's about a community. Like, we all sit on stage most of the show chatting to each other. See, basically. I would quit. <laughs> Why would you? Day one of rehearsal. No, I'm not being paid to sit around. I'm. I, no, I paid when it starts. Yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm not doing this. Oh, well, not so do- we can't expect I'm, you to make. I'm a... not doing the interval acting. Uh, no. I'm not doing any of this. But it, it doesn't feel like you're like the way they no, set you're a proper it up. Actor, of course. Well, you're I am. Yeah. I am a proper actor. But it doesn't feel like you're. You're just. I don't know. We're all just sitting watching each other. There's yeah. no pressure to do anything. And do you play instruments in it? I play guitar in it. Yeah. yeah. So I feel, uh, the the way that this production is is different as well from I think what what most people would well one I'm not Hugh Jackman um, who famously did it um, yeah. uh, at the National and two Curly's a kind of guitar playing arrogant swaggery man and it's really fun having a guitar to kind of uh, express that with um, yeah. yeah. And when it says, you know, because I, I'm listening to it and I'm hearing all the songs that I know yeah. from, from Oklahoma, but they have been, he has done things with the songs. Yeah, the the, the arrangement, Daniel Kluge, who did the arrangements, um, uh, has turned it from a big orchestral piece into ostensibly a kind of bluegrass arrangement of all the, and country and western arrangement of all yeah. the songs. So they're like... They're like listening to, you know, Dolly Parton songs or Roy Orbison songs, or, yeah. And like this, or there's like Elvis references in there. But it's so cleverly arranged. Like we've got pedal steel guitar on stage, which, you know, you can just watch that and be completely in awe. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. And those are the sounds that should be in these songs. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the songs really lend themselves to be these like big swinging country. Yeah. Songs. They're like big emotional love songs. They're great. And because I'm, uh, my life is a blur. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Is is it sort of set now, or is it set a kind of a weird, well, uh, uh, weird contemporary-ish time? It, yeah, it is kind of. If you were talking to the director, he would say it's set on that evening in that space. Oh, whatever. I know. Yeah. So it is contemporary, but we don't have phones. Um, and we're talking about the creation of Oklahoma as the state, which happened at the turn of last century. So it, it, yeah. it is set in all of those times and in no time at all. It's kind of set in a sports hall. Yes. Or like a kind of village, village fate hall in this big kind of American box. Do they still do... I, I, I hesitate to ask this in case I should have checked with you during the song. Uh, do they still do the food? Um, I don't, that's also up for debate as well at the moment. I hope so. But if not, you can, you know, bring food in. Yeah, because the Young Vic, <laughs> and, uh, on board, they fed you yeah, during this, the interval. This. Well, we didn't do the Young Vic because of COVID. I oh. don't know if you can get COVID from eating a chilli, but they didn't do it. Um, uh, but, yeah, they, it's it, it, even if they don't, it kind of feels like dinner theatre. Yes. And then that's kind of where the idea, I think, 
came from of like, well, you can sit and... Well, potluck, potluck picnic kind of thing. Yeah. On yeah. Broadway, it was quite funny to see people, you know, in their Broadway clothes. Sure. <laughs> queuing up well, with a paper the, plate. The chili queue was the place to be. Oh, you know? yeah. 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 <laughs> right. I, I didn't partake myself. Oh, <laughs> I just thought, I've eaten. Yeah. <laughs> I like it when people bring... For, I mean, I shouldn't say this, but I was doing a show at the National once and, and people brought, like, an entire Tupperware meal full of food on the front row. I was trying to do, a, you know, a speech and I looked down and, you know, passing, passing chicken wings between each other it was was, I was like this is great well they were having a nice time they were having I'm not sure people around them were having a nice time no I know but you know I'm all for it yeah no I remember (laughs) we went to see Jesus Christ Superstar in the cinema and my mother had brought sandwiches wrapped in tin foil (laughs) quite noisy (laughs) antisocial sandwiches (laughs) yeah Yeah. she didn't like it she didn't like it (laughs) and in terms of you being in musicals yeah because you've you've worked in bands before I have yeah. yeah yeah Yeah, I well, I grew up being in bands. My dad's a musician, so my, my dad's a musician. And my mom's a puppeteer and actor, so I've not kind of flown too far from the nest. Please but, be my mother, the puppeteer. Yeah, I mean that's I know. Yeah, yeah. You must have had the best uh, parties when you were a child. Yeah, it was kind of <laughs> me and a lot of puppets. Um, so that was my, you know, my stringy friends. My stringy fr- <laughs> friends. But yeah, no, it was uh, it was good fun. So yeah, so I I grew up kind of just doing all of it really. Um, and yeah. when did you? When did you? Or maybe you haven't. Have you decided? Right, no more <laughs> bands for me. I am no, now I an actor. I, like, I, th- I think the acting kind of took off. So the the music stuff w- went to the side. I never really thought I'd do musicals because I didn't think I had that kind of voice. But I found I found my voice. Oh, oh no, thank God! I'm so um, glad. Thank you so much. <laughs> a nation finally. A nation size of release. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I still play and I still write and I still play, you know, play guitar for some people and do things and I, I can kind of run it along. Some, why not? And can you do that like while you're doing this run? No, 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 <laughs> no. I can write while I'm doing this, and I, I write yeah. musicals and I write uh, kind of music for theatre and and TV and stuff. So you and know. if people are backstage, will they hear the plink plink plonk uh, in Arthur's dressing room? Yeah, maybe. I'm just kind of always singing. We're singing. No, so no. annoying. He's just so annoying to be. He doesn't stop singing. Uh, we get it. You can sing. Yeah, all right. Stop showing off. Um, no, uh, because I do enough of it on stage. Uh, it's quite a. It's quite a big sing. This part. It's like it really a real. Is. Yeah. Yeah. I've been listening to lots of Roy Orbison, and I've kind of been trying to kind of channel him in, into it, which has been really fun. I've never really listened to him before. He's, he's good. And will there be a recording of this production? Because I know Rodgers and Hammerstein, they're quite, uh, yeah, who knows? They're quite sensitive about it. They are their... quite sensitive about it. I mean, the music sounds amazing, especially the cast we've got. The voices are just they're just incredible. Like, they're real kind of blow-your-socks-off voices. And the way that the songs are arranged, I think it's kind of the, a, type, a style that you won't really hear in the theatre very often. It's like some real people really going for it. Yeah, but also it's that thing, isn't it? It's like you're hearing these songs for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is such a special thing. It really is a special Like, I sang some of these songs in, like, my school choir, and they were like, and chicks and ducks and geese. You know, you kind of go, well, this is, this is twee. Uh, and so to be able to sing them in the way that we get to sing them is a real joy. It's like, it really is like discovering the music for the first time. 
Yeah, yeah. If you love Oklahoma, you'll fall in love with it all over again. Uh, it starts on Thursday, the 16th of February. Uh, it runs till the 2nd of September. It's at the Wyndham's, and you can get tickets at OklahomaWestEnd.com. All one word, OklahomaWestEnd.com. Arthur Darvel, what a pleasure and a joy to meet you. Thank uh, you. Thank fly, you. you are free. Are you rehearsing this afternoon? I am rehearsing this afternoon. Oh, yeah. Stupid rehearsals. I know. You're so good, you don't need rehearsals. <laughs> Thanks so much. The I'm going to ho- tell them it's that. It's the others holding you back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to send them a recording of that. Yeah, <laughs> All right, take care of yourself, <laughs> Thank sir. You, the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Hey, uh, the voices you can hear, whispering away in the background, belong to Siobhan McSweeney. Hello, Siobhan. Hello, Graham. And Mairead Tyres. Hello. Hello, hello. I'm saying tyres. You're saying it absolutely right, oh, yeah. Oh, good. Oh, they're yeah. good. Tyres hey, hey, like hey. the car. No, because it's... It, I'm thinking, well, how else would you pronounce that? But it's not spelt like tires. It's not spelt like that, no. 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 It's tears, maybe. Well, do you know, apparently it a... comes from the people who used to tie bales or something. Like oh, tires. tires. Like tires. Oh, tires. Yeah. Now tires. it makes sense. They oh, are. Yeah. You'll never forget it. Oh, yeah. House Spades Knee, of course. Did you read, yeah. did you read that article uh, about how Irish names are the most difficult things in the world to pronounce? Siobhan and Aoife were the two ones that came out, so we can add tires to that. Tires well. to that, yeah. 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 Well, there needs to be a celebrity Aoife, because Saoirse, Saoirse Ronan has solved the yeah. Saoirse problem. Yeah. And I'm <laughs> working very hard on Siobhan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exhausted. <laughs> Uh, listen, the two of you are in Extraordinary. It's a Disney Plus uh, series. All episodes, all eight episodes drop on the 25th of of January. And I talked to you about this show on the, the TV show. Uh, but at that stage, the press things weren't ready. So I hadn't seen it. I've now seen it. It is so... You were right. It is very, very funny. Oh, thank God. Do you know, everyone's <laughs> watched it except me. We no. were just in the in the green room there and they're like, oh, it's very good. I'm like, how do you know, sir? <laughs> I have not seen this, Marie. Like, yeah, it's very good, actually. Is it? It is. No. Oh, should I be saying that? Yes, you should. <laughs> yeah, if you no don't say is. it, you know, go on. No one will. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's brilliant. I mean, it's... Yeah. I knew it's such a good character film. Like, we had the best time, didn't oh, we? Oh, we, like, we had the best time. Yeah. But it's, as you know yourself, Graham, it's very rare that like you can't just because you're having a lovely time and the scripts are wonderful and everybody's working their, their arse off that means that it's going to be good Yeah, yeah. so yeah. it's really really lovely to hear that you enjoyed it yeah. uh, No, so you play uh, unbelievably mother and daughter I know and mm-hmm. us looking I'm, like sisters I know <laughs> it seems crazy so uh, Mairead you are at the, the centre of this show so tell us about Jen so Jen is living in a world it's East London and it looks exactly like East London looks right now it's um a world that uh, at the age of 18 everyone gets a superpower and Jen for whatever reason is a late bloomer and she's 25 and hasn't got one yet. And the superpowers they vary. I mean yes. the, the, it's not all <laughs> <laughs> It's not all PG let's say. Yeah. In the yeah. first episode we meet a character whose superpower is that he can make people orgasm just by touching them. Okay. <laughs> so that picks us off at the start. <laughs> yeah. No because I think I, because of the Disney Plus tag and mm. because you know you are young uh, the, there is a Thank slight you. sense I know. That, that, you're the mother. There's a sense that it might be for kids, but it's not for it's children. It's not for children. Yeah, no, no. no. It's yeah. got a poppy look. It looks really cool, but it's it's definitely not for kids. No. And yeah. so, what's extraordinary about this is that you know, because normally with these things, it's a, a really famous director or a really famous writer, or da, 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 but this is all, you're all newbies. I mean, mm. it's all this is so Emma. Is it Emma Moran? Moran, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and is she Irish? She's yeah from Fermanagh. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's skill and massive. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Putting in the skill on the map. Yeah. 
So did she write Jen as Irish? No, she didn't. No. So doing the tape and like doing the, you know, chemistries and everything, it was, everyone was coming to the room. It wasn't an Irish part. But then upon me being cast, she put in loads of Irish jokes and like the relationship between, you know, uh, Jen and Mary, her mother, like is so Irish. It's yeah. real Irish mammy. So she changed that once we were cast, but you know, it's brilliant. Yeah. So when did you come on board? A post parade. Uh, I I don't know the timeline actually. All I know is that I uh, I got a, a phone call from from Disney saying they <laughs> it was an offer. And after I stopped laughing, thinking how in God's name am I in a Disney show? <laughs> I answered the call of the mouse and uh, just turned up, and I've been bewildered ever since. Mm. So I don't know. I presume I presume I was cast after you were cast. I think so. Yeah, because I remember out. Emma answer. <laughs> Send a text him. Because I remember finding out with the read through that they had been in talks with you, and I absolutely absolutely nearly died. Ah, but then I also horror. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm leaving, I'm not doing the job now. vomited on the table. <laughs> Get me out of here. But it's perfect. Two two Cork women. Yeah. So stage. I guess I guess the 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 big hitters are the producers because they produce Killing Eve. Yeah, so I guess yeah. they were the ones to kind of go. No, you want this show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's quite. Uh, I mean, Sid Gentle are the, are, are the producers, and I suppose. I, I I must admit I'm just really impressed with them. I'm impressed with. I mean I'm sure they're delighted to hear that Siobhan McSweeney is impressed with Disney. But like considering that like the the cast are virtually of course they're obviously incredibly talented, highly trained, very experienced, but they are unknown. Mm. Yeah. And you're holding this show, and it's. I mean even with Emma, this is her first script, yeah. which is just galling, and <laughs> and and it's. Absolutely extraordinary. That's why it should mm. be called extraordinary. And the fact that Disney and Sid Gentle, through the through the medium of Sid Gentle, have sort of seen this. It's really, really heartening, and I think it bodes well for for telly and for streaming services in the next couple of years. You obviously have good people in there. Mm. Yeah. And and I don't know how much money was thrown at this thing, but it does it does you know because superpowers you kind of think this might look a little ropey, <laughs> and it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so how dull was it to film all the superpowers? bits. Do you know what? Not that dull. I mean, in the opening sequence when I come out of the interview and walking down the road, there's a kind of Uber fly situation. Yes. So instead of, let's say, getting in a car, like a regular Uber drive or whatever, you're hopping onto someone's back whose superpower is that they can fly. <laughs> and we quite literally, I had to walk down Bishopsgate and there was quite literally a man in wires and uh, he had this little seat that would kind of like flap down out of his back and another man had to hop on it. So it, it, it wasn't dull in any way. We literally had to film them. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. And so presumably the, the the hope is that people will enjoy this and there's going to be more. Yes, hopefully. I mean, it leaves it on quite a big cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely room for more. I feel like Emma's just warming up. Wow. Yeah. And where, I mean, obviously Emma's from Fermanagh, but uh, but like what had she, what had she written before? Like sketches or she plays? Had written, or She'd written nothing. jokes, I think. <laughs> nothing she'd never written. She just no. learned to write for this. No, <laughs> seriously. So she actually, she, I think she did like um, some writing on Have I Got News For You or one of those kind of like sketch shows. But this was her first yeah. series. And she had entered, I hope I'm remembering this right, but she had entered a competition, which then had been seen by some of the Disney people. And then, so it was really kind of, of like you know it just kind of came out but yeah. it's so it's fully like, formed like she's it, ready to go I, I mean I've been saying this like they really are the 
the funniest and uh, the funniest scripts I've read since Derry Girls, really. And to find out that this is her first foray yeah. properly into into writing is is really amazing because the craft, the structure, as you know, like jokes are so hard to craft, and it's all about about scaffolding and architecture, isn't yeah. it? Mm. And she just hits it so. But also, so well. she's she's got this amazing premise, but the 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 show doesn't wear the premise heavily. Yes, you know, yeah, it's about right. other, it's actually about other things. Exactly, and, it's yeah. a framework to like explore things, but it's not yeah. like. And the, the, as well, Emma was so good. You know, I said earlier how she would change jokes depending on who was cast. But you know, we got the first four episodes first, and then we didn't know what was going to happen in the series, which was so exciting as actors because you're just genuinely living up until the fourth ep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then as the next four eps came out she was writing jokes that were fitting us or fitting our comedy and like that's what she does she has such, she's got specific humour for all especially the main four all four characters it's specific to us it's not like it's kind of general jokes it's yeah, yeah. yeah. she's a genius and for you, I mean, obviously you've been in things before, but uh, but to be the centre, you know, basically you're carrying the show. Mm-hmm. Did somebody give you a little pep talk or do, do they just kind of go, and you've got all the lines. There you go. Perform. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I had chats with my agents and, and they kind of be like, are you ready? Like, do you feel prepped for this? And I go, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I really registered what it would be until I turned up the first day and was like, OK, so I'm doing this for the next four months. And to be honest, I just enjoyed every second of it. I, di- I didn't think too much about the idea of it coming out or anything. I just wanted to turn up and have good fun and that's what we did. So. And that's yeah. what I loved about turning up on set. Like, they're really... Uh, I, I'm, I genuinely am in awe of this young cast because... You know, like there was no angst, there was no hang-ups, there was no sort of ego. So I didn't know what to do with myself. (laughs) Angst, ego and Um, hang-ups. Like seriously, it was like, all right, we'll do the job now and Mm. we'll do it really well. And then it's your turn. Yeah, yeah, that's very good too. Uh, we we did great there. Now will we do it again tomorrow? It's a lovely attitude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, uh, you, you never change. Never mm. change. Never change. Don't change. <laughs> don't Please become don't change. like me. <laughs> <laughs> Bitter. <laughs> and uh, must give a quick shout out to uh, Sir Kenneth Branagh. Yes. Did he yeah. give you your first job? He did, yeah. So that was my first job out of drama school and, and he's the president of Rada where I went to drama school and yeah, he was doing Belfast and I mean, it, let's be real, we were literally glorified extras is what we were in the show or in the, in the film but it was the best fun ever. Having like an introduction that's completely low stakes mm. to the industry yeah. and to being on set and um, I mean, yeah, it was great fun. Yeah, and also it's supporting actors who have just graduated, who you know at that stage don't have any money, you know, and then also they get their firm first film credit out of it. Yeah, so it was a huge play. support. Yeah, and a, a great good one, man. a good one. And you're still throwing down your pottery. Oh, I'm throwing, throwing up, throwing down, throwing over <laughs> the whole lot. Yeah, that's still going. Uh, yeah, do we have anything else? Where Where are we in the? Are we kind of in the middle of it now? Uh, no, gosh, no. There's loads left. Oh my god, oh. there's lumps of play left. Um, <laughs> We're uh, we're coming up to episode three, I think. I still haven't done the voiceover for the for the rest of it. Oh, right. I just watched one where they were blindfolded. That's oh, yeah. oh, maybe that's the third episode. So yeah, we're coming up to episode four this Sunday, which oh. is tomorrow, which I definitely that's, knew. That's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, this is the weekend. We knew that. We knew that. Uh, on Wednesday, Wednesday's the big day. Uh, yeah. This Wednesday, all episodes of Extraordinary drop on Disney Plus. That's what it's called. How you find it. Good luck, everybody. Uh, 
<laughs> they, Hello, I'm here for the yeah. Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was told. Yeah. Uh, Disney light. Yeah. All of the taste, none of the calories. <laughs> um, so nice to see you both. Thank you very much for coming to Thank see you, us. Chris. Extraordinary starts on Wednesday. Good luck with it. Oh, 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 there's still more to come. Freya Ridings joins us live for our first 2023 Sunday session and gives us a sneak peek of her upcoming album, Blood Orange. But first, hello, Martha. Now, I'm not complaining, Martha. <laughs> OK. But all morning I've been telling people, oh, I'm getting a pie, I'm getting a pie. Ah. Now, this is not what I expected a pie to look like. Can so, you describe the, 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 the inverted the commas, pie. air quotes, pie? <laughs> so, this is an alternative to a shepherd's pie. Oh! So, it's, it's not your pastry pie. I feel oh. like maybe that should have been yeah. <laughs> made clearer. If I'd known that. You would have been like, yeah, but yeah. if you're thinking buttery pastry and then you get presented with shepherd's pie, I can see... How you feel misled? So yeah, I can only apologise. <laughs> but these potatoes, but the potatoes aren't mashed. These are roasty potatoes. They are. So this is—it's a really cool recipe, actually. It's a shepherd's pie, but shepherd's pie can take forever sometimes when you're mashing the potatoes and making them smooth. So it's taken all of that out, all that hustle, and topped the pie with rosties, like little hash browns, essentially. Wow. We—it's a—and it's a chicken kima rosti pie. So it's got this lovely spiced chicken base with peas and all sorts of lovely things. And then it's got this curry. So we toss the hash browns in curry powder. Okay. Put them on the top. And, crispy. Uh, and now, so I, I understand some of these words, like rosti and <laughs> topped and chicken and pie. Uh, uh, what's what's kima? So kima is the word for mince. If you go out to Indian restaurants often, you'll often see kima naan, which is like naan bread filled with, or naan bread filled with minced lamb or minced chicken or something like that. Oh. So we've got this mince. So it's a lovely, um, It's a this is a budget recipe, under £2 a portion, but you're still getting your mince, which I think is brilliant because you're getting a lot of protein. Um, so we've got chicken mince, which is the basis of this, and then it's in a lovely spicy curried sauce. So something a bit different for a nice weeknight meal, and it's really quick to make as well. And we uh, tip our hat and say thank you very much to Chef Martin with a Y Lee. <laughs> we do, Martin with a Y. The Waitrose is senior development chef. He comes up with amazing recipes and he's got a whole feature in this week's weekend paper on super saver suppers and they're really good recipes like slow, coo- slow cooked beef birria, kind of like a smoked salmon and lemon pepper spaghetti, things that you wouldn't think you could get for under £2 a portion, but Martin makes it work. Uh, right, so uh, this is a really affordable recipe, mm. perfect kind of winter warmer, nice thing to kind of just tuck into tonight. Uh, how do we make it? How do we start? So we're going to start with making up a little bit of chicken stock with a chicken stock cube. And then in a separate pan, we're going to fry off our chicken mince with an onion and a little bit of oil until that is nicely cooked through. Um, cooks quite quickly. So that's five to six minutes in yeah. the pan. I didn't know you could buy chicken mince. I thought I was thinking, oh, do you have to mince it yourself? But no, you can buy <laughs> That would make mince. the recipe a lot more time consuming. <laughs> yeah. My mother used to have <laughs> one of those things that you, you, you screwed onto the table and then you... And it would all come and out. Shut, and yeah, she would make her own mince. Wow. I I respect that. I mean, and if people are listening at home and they've got a mint so they want to come out of the cupboard, you go for it. (laughs) But if not, you can go to Waitrose in the chicken section and you can find chicken mints. Also, turkey mints would work really well for this recipe as well. Of course, yes. So, mince up whatever you've got. Okay. So, you fried that off. It didn't take long because it cooked very fast. Yeah, it cooks pretty quickly. You want to get light browning on that. Then we're going to add in some medium curry powder. About one and a half tablespoons. Get it nice and spicy. Wow. And then some chilli flakes as well. If you like it a little bit hot, so I'll put a little bit in. We're going to mix that all together. And then we're adding a can of tinned tomatoes. And then the stock, reduce the sauce just for about five minutes. And then pour that into an oven-proof dish. 
Then in a separate bowl, you're going to take a bag of Waitrose potato rosties or a bag of hash browns. You want about 750 grams, enough to cover the top. Put them into a bowl and break them up. So you want to defrost them first. So they're in the freezer section, but defrost them, break them up in a bowl, sprinkle over the remaining curry powder so you have a lovely little kind of kick on the top. Mm, yeah. A little bit of oil as well. And then that gets arranged all over the top of the chicken kima base layer. Then it gets baked for 25 minutes until the top is lovely and crispy. I think shepherd's pie often misses that little crunch, that little crispy yeah. deliciousness. And anything covered in hash browns is going to be a good meal in my book. So... <laughs> Uh, come on. You can't I mean, go wrong. Yes, this, this, is, uh, this is a crowd pleaser. It really is. Uh, if you want that recipe, or indeed any of our recipes, uh, you go to the Graham Norton with Waitrose hub. You just head to waitrose.com slash showchef and the roasted, roasty topped uh, chicken kima pie recipe will be there, uh, along with all the recipes prepared by Martha over the months. Uh, you can also check out the recipes, you know, visually and things, on our socials at Virgin Radio UK. Uh, thank you so much, Martha. What's so what have you got tomorrow, sweet savoury? Another savoury tomorrow. Oh. We're having uh, the best. And it's going to be a bolognese with a few secret ingredients. Come on! <laughs> oh, I won't sleep. <laughs> I'll see you tomorrow, Martha. See you tomorrow. Bye. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio. Martha. She's here. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm all the better for seeing you. I, honestly, I mean, as I was saying, this studio is all soundproof. Da, da, da. I could smell this sauce. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's on her way. But yeah. I stand corrected. It is not spaghetti bolognese. It's similar. The recipe here is for the best bolognese sauce. But kind of contrary to popular belief, I don't think that spaghetti is the right pasta for this and I know there's a Martha lot of people thinking <laughs> but really I find spaghetti is so slippery it's really good for a very wet sauce that doesn't have any lumps in it but when you have uh, something as lovely as a bolognese you with all those lovely chunks of meat and bacon and all these nice things you need something that it's going to stick to so I like to serve it either with penne, so like little ring, the tubes so oh, that yes, it gets I love inside. Oh yes, I love penne, yes, nice, nice. Um, but I've gone for pappardelle with this, which is like big, thick ribbons of pasta, like tagliatelle, but about four times the width. Yeah, no, it looks gorgeous. It really, it, it, it wears the sauce well. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. It clings to it and you get little pockets where it can pick up the sauce. It's just, it's just good. And it's just, it takes the same amount of time to cook as your spaghetti. You can buy it in the fresh bit of the pasta section at Waitrose and it's just, it's just a bit different. You think? Do you know, it's unusual, isn't it? it is. Unusual. People expect yeah. spaghetti and you go, no. I've got pappardelle. Uh, how many bolognese recipes did you poke at before you oh, you came up with the best? I went through rather a lot. <laughs> OK. Well, just people have their different opinions on what belongs in bolognese, what doesn't belong in a bolognese. The thing with the best is, as well, is the best bolognese might be using kind of beef from the mountains in Italy and cheese from... But it has to be realistic. It has to be something that we can all make at home. Uh, thank you. So we're taking... Yeah. Good quality ingredients that are simple and kind of elevating them, making them into something really tasty. So bolognese is just about that. It's taking good quality ingredients, carrots, onions, beef, and making them sing. Yeah, I can remember. There's uh, what's his name, Locatelli. Who? What's his name? He's a chef. Anyway, he's got a he had a cookbook because uh, his re restaurant's called Lacando Locatelli, and oh. there was there was a bolognese recipe in there, and. The way his mother made it and his granny made it was they didn't use mince; they would chop up the beef into tiny oh, little wow. bit. And you just thought, yeah, you've got staff, haven't you? Yeah, <laughs> I'm might, never doing that. It might be the best, but is it going to be worth my time? Uh, yeah. So you've used mints. So I've used mints. 
I've used traditional ingredients and I've also tried to keep it good value as well. Like we could be chucking in a whole bottle of wine, but we don't all have time for that. It's, bolognese is a good family friendly <laughs> meal. <laughs> it's a good family meal. You don't sometimes need to be kind of using those luxurious ingredients. So I've gone with something slightly different in here, actually, which actually um, producer Polly tipped me off to. Oh, when yes. I was testing this recipe months and months ago, I yes. said, anyone got any tips for the best bolognese? She said, my neighbour used to come down to the coffee shop that she worked in and ask for a double espresso. And he said it was for his bolognese. And I thought, I'm sorry, Polly, but that is not, that is not, surely not, surely not. But I tried it and it's amazing. And that's in the recipe. I mean, let's, just, let's just stop the show now <laughs> because we've peaked. Uh, that's incredible. I think you were going to say like Worcestershire sauce or something, but no, no. no. It's got a little shot of espresso or 75 millilitres of coffee and the kind of bitterness of the coffee works really beautifully with all those other ingredients, makes it really rich and nice and depth, deep in colour. All right, uh, the nation needs to know, we've, we've heard the secret ingredient, the coffee, but let's start from you know the very beginning. How do you make the best bolognese sauce in the world? So we're going to start with pancetta. So take some really nice quality fatty pancetta. Fat is flavour in recipes like this, especially when they're going to be simmering for a while. So get your pancetta in a pan. As you fry that, the fat will come out and then we're going to go in with an onion, some chopped celery and then a grated carrot. Um, I think grating carrot in any kind of minced based sauce is perfect because you don't get those little chunks of carrot that can be a bit hard and don't cling to your pasta as well. Yeah. So grate your carrot in there, fry that all together for a couple of minutes and then I've gone in with quite a lot of mushrooms as well. I think they are really good for bulking out the sauce, making it go a little bit further. So I've got 200 grams of mushrooms. I blitz them up in a food processor but you could finely chop them just so that they kind of really blend in with the sauce again. Oh, okay. So you wouldn't really, I don't think no, you would I really notice know, I that I, they were there. If you put a gun to my head, I wouldn't have said there was a mushroom <laughs> You wouldn't have picked no. up mushrooms. No. Um, yeah, they work really well at just kind of working with the beef to make it very full of substance. So the mushrooms Mushrooms go in and we're going to mix that together. Then we're going to go in with our beef, get that nice and browned off. Then we've got a can of tomatoes, a stock cube, our coffee. Oh, yes. And then milk. Milk is so coffee, very untraditional. Italian people don't hate me. Yeah. Milk, very traditional. Always the way bolognese was made. But oh, something right. that we stopped doing because people think, oh, dairy product in my meat sauce. This isn't correct. Um, but yeah, that's how it, bolognese was traditionally made. They put milk in. It looks all creamy and weird for a couple of minutes, but then it will turn the colour you'd expect bolognese to go. Yeah. And the milk adds a lovely richness and it makes the meat really tender. Wow. So I would recommend adding your milk. Well, it works because it is absolutely delicious. And how, can, you, can you let it kind of simmer for a day or, you know, <laughs> how, like, do you know I mean? Is it, one of those, is it one of those sauces that just benefits from sitting there for a really long time? It is definitely a sauce that benefits from a good old sit on the stove. So I've put in the recipe to simmer it for an hour on a low heat. You could also put it in your slow cooker or a pressure cooker, um, but you can literally simmer it for a couple of hours. All that you'll do is concentrate that flavour and then it will look quite dry towards the end. Then when you're ready to serve... You do your pasta, take a little bit of that starchy pasta water, get that in. Oh, yes. Mix it all together and it coats it. And then parmesan, to finish, has to go on the top. Yeah. And you're ready. Um, honestly, that is... If somebody makes that for the dinner tonight, they're going to be so happy. Oh, uh, <laughs> glass of red wine, mass singer. Oh, oh lovely. That is lovely. evening plant. And if you have leftovers, put them in little bags in the freezer because that's what I do. Make a massive batch of bolognese. If it's going to simmer a long time, there you want to no, get ahead. There are no leftovers. <laughs> Label them up, portioned out, and then you can just have a meal in a in a flash. Yeah, it's not <laughs> happening. Uh, if you want to see that recipe, and indeed all our recipes, Graham Norton with Waitrose Hub, just go to the Waitrose website, waitrose.com slash 
show chef or you could check out the recipe on our socials at virgin radio uk if you'd like to visualize the whole thing the graham norton radio show with waitrose food to feel good about virgin radio it is time to welcome fair ridings to the studio hello Oh, so good to see you. It's lovely to see you too. Thank you so much for having me. No, we are delighted. Our first uh, Sunday session of the year. Is it? Yes. Well, oh it, my God, I'm honoured. Thank it you. It is only January. I mean, fair play. It's not, it's not midway through the yeah. year, is it? Yeah. It's not, yeah. yeah. Here we are in September. Still haven't done one. Thanks. Uh, so this is exciting. Second album is out in, is in May. Yeah, the 5th of May. A great title, Blood Orange. It is a title I chose, yes. It is a great title. Um, really thank good. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Because my first um, album was um, self-titled so when it came to naming an album like I put a lot of like love and thought into it but basically this album is kind of spans the last three years of my life it's literally almost like a diary of the last three years of my life so the first 18 months I was very heartbroken and alone and sort of bitter and you know looking for my ex in every supermarket um and then also then we got back together and then we kind of you know the second half of the album is about being very very happy and allowing yourself to fall in love and um yeah and I was listening to that song and I was thinking, you know, because you're so hale and hearty and happy now. But when you wrote that song, you must have been singing it in just floods of tears. Damn. Yeah, it was actually true. It kind of came from like the deepest subconscious place. I'm not even sure I really like thought it. It was just a feeling. Um, yeah, it was such a it was such a dark time. And then it was straight into <laughs> lockdown. And it was like, there's nowhere to hide from your feelings. You were like, you just have to stay with it at this point. Um, so, yeah, then that's the sort of beginning of the story of Blood Orange. And then it kind of continues the, yeah. bit, the bitter into the sweet I mean I feel like a kind of creepy old man as you wrote your love life but it is the story of the album it so. is no, don't worry it's true uh, so uh, you and your partner yes the, the, so he's that guy yes and now he's your husband we got married oh. yes oh. <laughs> so it's a happy ending for oh, once oh lovely yeah. uh, but tell me this so but now he 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 worked on this album. Oh yeah, he helped me. Actually, some of the songs I wrote when I was like, actually the next single called Face in the Crowd, which was me like scanning every every crowd I played for, I would just scan for his face. Like I was just hoping he'd be there. And then he actually helped me because in lockdown, I didn't have a way to produce it. He built a studio in his parents' shed and um, produced it. So that was before we moved in together, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it's very real. I feel like it's kind of, kind of got rumours Fleetwood Mac but it's, it's just us yeah. and were you tempted were you tempted to kind of change some of the songs <laughs> now that he's there in the room with you it's so weird but he's like my biggest champion he really is so I think he's just proud that I've written you know a lot of well, all of these songs really so he just wanted to make sure that people heard them especially the ones I write on my own because mostly producers want to like write them with you so he's like I'm going to produce the ones so people can hear them yeah wow uh, I, I mean what an, it's such a great story I mean it's true yeah that's literally yeah. A, I love talking about it because it's just so true and, yeah. I was, and, and we're also happy for you as well thank you that's because really you know it, it would still be a beautiful song yeah <laughs> but it might be a bit boo-hoo <laughs> no, there's were... a progression to the album I promise yes, you, you at were... the moment it's just a bit awkward because it's just on this one note but then there's, there's, there's a progression to it for sure uh, you mentioned uh, your dad there and kicking in pubs yeah so your dad is a musician and an actor yeah he's um active voiceover artist um but he loves music that's his like his true love and he grew up playing guitar he taught me how to play guitar um and he writes his own songs and stuff but yeah he's a voiceover artist and he's in Peppa Pig, isn't he? Yeah, he's Daddy Pig. I know. <laughs> if you have any, you know, little people in your life and you need a voice message, just let me know. <laughs> <laughs> Daddy Pig is available. Uh, but uh, <laughs> were you tempted ever to go the acting route or did you always it's, know? It's so funny because both my parents are actors and my brother actually is going to be an actor, I think. Um, but I'm like, the I tried to be in school plays and stuff and I was just terrible at it. I find it so hard to be on stage as not myself. 
Um, but the second I played music and I could be myself, I was like, I'm totally fine. It was yeah. just the complete opposite. Um, but yeah. And it's definitely that music is obviously the way you tap into displaying your emotion and stuff. A hundred percent. Yeah. I was in a school play once and I had to fire a gun and it didn't go off. And then there was just someone alive at the end that wasn't supposed to be. And I was like, <laughs> oh my God. I just panicked. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't. So they were like, maybe not for you. Um, but I love, yeah, I grew up around actors and I, I love them to bits. Yeah. And then you started very young. I mean, you obviously knew young that you wanted to do this because what age were you when you went to the Brit school? Um, I was 16 when I went to the Brit school, but I felt like I've been doing it for so long at that point I wanted to go earlier um, but I started I wrote my first song when I was like nine um, I just saw my dad doing it and I thought that's just what you did I was kind of like, I thought I was late to the game I really did at, at nine I was like damn I should have found the thing I loved before this yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but I just my family just love creating and talking about you know music and stories and it's their favourite thing and the Brit school what's the atmosphere like there is it really kind of cutthroat <laughs> and ambitious kind of going look at her it's, and look at him and da, 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 or is it kind of collaborative and lovely it's a really interesting place and I think people have had very different experiences based on when they went and what kind of because there's more than just music you know there's musical theatre there's dance there's all that um, but I thought um, I found I find it strangely isolating I th I think at the same time like the the course is fantastic um, but I really got on with the musical theatre a lot because I think there was a lot of collaboration in like you know they all were, like helping each other but yeah in the music it was a bit like everyone out for themselves and the teachers definitely had favourites and I definitely wasn't one of them um, well not in a bad way <laughs> Not in a bad way at all, but just like I think there were people that they they had pegged for like you know stardom, and it wasn't it wasn't a couple of us. We were kind of the underdogs of the group. Yeah. Um, but we all used to work together and like write together, and it was just it was an honor to meet them. Yeah. But also, I feel like those rivalries will follow you around for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. But I'm really grateful to that time because it just like it really sort of lit me up. Like being like underestimated so hardcore every day. I was like, I'm gonna write. I'm gonna use all my lunch times. Gonna write songs. Gonna stay after school. Like. Yeah, I just I put a lot into it. Yeah. And then the first album, which went so well, uh, it, I mean, it, it did, it went crazy. Yeah. How did your songs end up being featured in so many, you know, Grey's Anatomy and Love Idea? You know, how did you, how did you become that artist where your songs were being exposed to all these people? I mean, it was kind of magical, like growing up, like music on TV and film was always like my absolute, like I was just in awe of it. I think the way it heightens a song and the way people can discover a song is just so incredible I never thought that I'd get that opportunity um but we did a couple of showcases and just the things that came from those showcases I just couldn't even really fathom because it was kind of like five people in a room and me with a guitar but then you look back and it's like that person then went off to Grey's Anatomy and put you know my song on that incredible scene that people still send me to these this day with like amazing messages and it's just it's so hot Oh, I just, I love it. It's my dream actually to write a song for a film one day. I'd love to write a song specifically for a film. Chuck it out the world. Yeah, Chuck oh, it out the, in the universe. <laughs> yeah. So that's it. You talk about the guitar. Would you be more comfortable this morning on your guitar or is now, is keyboard your happy place now? Keyboard is what I started on. I started learning when I was like seven and then I learned guitar when I was kind of like eight, nine. So I did, I started on piano first. So I kind of, I always used to want to play it at open mic nights, but it was too heavy for me to lift on my own. <laughs> so I kind of like, I went to guitar. But if there was never a piano there. I was like overjoyed. Um, so it's a real, it's an honor to get to turn up and there's just a keyboard here now. So yeah. And when you write, do you write on the guitar or do you write on the keyboard? Kind of a mix of both, but um, probably, yeah, a lot more on the keyboard. Um, but also I've been trying to write more acapella and just kind of like straight from the subconscious, just... I heard Sting does that. And so I was like, I'm going to try that. And how does that work? Do you then record yourself and figure out the, the, the notation afterwards? Yeah, I can't read. I don't, I can't read music because I'm like super dyslexic. So for me, it's like I do everything by ear. So just trying to like, just work it out afterwards seems to be the easiest way. But I still, to this day, don't really know the notes that I'm playing. I don't know the, no the names. 
Wow. <laughs> I know some people ask me, my band's like, what's that key? I'm just like, I have no idea. <gasps> so you don't, <laughs> no, come on. I don't, I'm not joking. And then some, because I work with such talented musicians and they're so well trained and I'm like, Oh, I don't even have my like grade one in piano. I'm not even joking. I actually don't. No wonder the teacher in the Brit school was. Well, you were just like, you were the <laughs> I know she was like, oh, she's never going to do it. Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, loser. <laughs> Look at you now. Uh, oh, thank you. Listen, we're talking about the success of the first album and we're going yeah. back to that first album now uh, with a track, uh, Lost Without You. Uh, what do we want to know about this song? Oh, oh no. Sorry, have, have your water. water. Have your water. It's a, it's, um, it's a large gerbil sort it's, of. <laughs> it's a massive water holder. I get so many questions about that. <laughs> yeah, I got it on TikTok. Everyone everyone asked me about it. Um, so this song, Lost Without You, I wrote, I mean, it's almost coming up 10 years now, which is crazy. I wrote it when I was 19 um, and I was straight out of the Brit school. And I remember there was um, kind of the first like tangible, real heartbreak in my life. And I was kind of feeling a bit in the wilderness and lost. And I was, again, at my parents' piano in their front room. Um, very, very old piano. And I um, I wrote this song. This also came from like a really subconscious place. I find the songs that you don't think about, they just come sort of almost through you. And this one came out kind of fully formed, which never happens. Um, and it changed my entire life. So I'm still so grateful to it. Uh, the new album, Blood Orange, is out on the 5th of May. You can yeah. pre-order it now at freywritings.com. Are you doing any kind of live gigs and things to, pr- to promote? The- I would love to. I think we're organising them at the moment, but I love playing live. It's my favourite thing ever and uh the band i love we've got like brass this time it's a kind of it's it's got all the ballads but it's got a lot more energy this time and i'm just i'm so excited to play some more shows soon and yeah. if people get on freyaridings.com i'm sure that yeah, the, when the, the shows de- come through then they'll be there they'll yeah. be there okay uh, laura from grantham has just texted in to say uh hi freya i was driving and listening to your beautiful voice and had to slow down so that i could listen to all of it you oh, are a force thank you laura that's so sweet of you wow uh, yeah people behind her hate her but uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm glad you're enjoying the music uh, we're trying to get there yeah. uh, <laughs> uh our freya really... Ridings, thank you so much for coming in thank to see you us so much it's for been an absolute delight uh, to talk to you thank good you luck so with Blood Orange Blood Orange 5th of May that's all you need to know thank you very much thank you Graham The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose food to feel good about Virgin Radio time to meet my second guest of the day he's been in so many things Jason Watkins now brings us a new thriller on Channel 5 it starts on Wednesday it's called The Catch welcome to the show Jason hello nice, uh, nice to see you nice to see you so uh, you play uh, a fi- not a like a fisherman. Are they called fishermen? No, trawlerman. Trawler. Uh, no, no, he is a fisherman. He's not an angler. No, I oh, so he's, he's a fish. I think that's the distinction because I did wonder, wonder about that. Now he's a fisherman in uh, on the southwest coast of uh, England, and uh, yeah, he has a sort of small boat that he takes out, which I I drove. Actually. Well, no, you do. You look because I, I was watching. I was thinking, wow, he looks like Jason Watkins is really in control of that little trawler. Well, I have to I actually was. I mean, I'm not a great driver generally. I mean, actually just. <laughs> get around on a boat so um i've got to say a quick hello to bessie my daughter and to gilbert my son oh yeah i was getting into trouble yeah, yeah. Uh, and freddie and pip of course uh, <laughs> uh but uh uh yeah so i did embrace that i think i really wanted to be convincing as a sailor i mean i don't look like a sailor particularly as you can see but i uh but I you w- look you do look very rugged in this well i've got the sort of i know you've you've practiced that with the facial hair isn't yes. it? it gives you a sort of i can play a troll and drop a hat yeah you look a very dangerous person <laughs> particularly in the jumper but uh yeah so i think that was a part of it so things like you know actually being able to drive the boat and knowing how to sort of uh do stuff with the with the nets and all that kind of stuff and gut fish and stuff yeah, yeah it's all important so you play Ed Collier uh, and there's kind of two 
sides to this story. There's the past and and the present. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of you could say it's the way that the the past can inform the present and affect it. And if you don't deal with the past, it might come back and bite you, which it kind of does. And it's a kind of it starts as a kind of family drama. In fact, we filmed all the the family stuff in the house with I'm the centre of a family. So there's my wife played by Kathy Belton, who's just brilliant, uh, and Poppy Gilbert and the wonderful Brenda Fricker. So we have this family unit. Me and Kate married, obviously, and, and Poppy Gilbert is our daughter, Abby, our older daughter, and my mother-in-law is is Brenda Fricker. And the pressure of work going wrong and uh, uh, losing contracts with restaurants, etc. So he's under pressure and he starts making bad decisions. And into this sort of family drama comes uh, an Aaron Bernard, who's like this, he's a brilliant, brilliant actor. And we're so lucky to get him. People might recognise him from Time, where he played the unfortunate uh, cellmate of Brendan, sorry, of, uh, say, Brendan Bean. that's interesting. Isn't it? Of, uh, Sean Bean. Uh, and uh, a brilliant, brilliant performance. He so, is, and, he's, and he's such a good he's actor. He's so yeah. brilliant in this. So we all bonded very much as a, as a, as a group. And you, as a dad are very suspicious of this new man coming into your daughter's life. Exactly. And there's a kind of... And I think that's what I like about it, is a thriller, but it has identifiable themes that we all recognise. So he's overprotective of his daughter. Or is he? You know, this is the central... What's it, what is it about this guy? Is he a good guy or a bad guy? And, and Ed is under so much pressure that one imagines that he's looking at this person as a threat and everyone's saying, what are you, what are you talking about? So... And that's the kind of... Uh, that In the first episode, that's what we're thinking. Yes, and you're not sure whether Ryan is gaslighting you or not. Yeah, or whether, in fact, that, you know, that uh, Ed himself has had such a difficult... He's not dealt with his past that he himself is losing it and had problems, and he may be, very much may be, the villain. I feel like we could not play any records and talk about Brenda Fricker for the next 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we'd have lots to talk about. She's wa- she is wonderful, actually. She is. Wonderful. She is a force to be reckoned she with. She is. <laughs> And a brilliant, brilliant actor. Oh, no, she absolutely is. But what I like about her is she... You know, sometimes you meet actors and they've worked with amazing people and you know they must have lots of stories and they won't... You don't (laughs) want to ask or they won't tell you. She's... Immediately, she's out there. She tells you the all. Yeah, I'm not going to pass those on, actually. (laughs) Yeah, I like that she uses her Oscar to sort of open... Leave the door open. It's like it's a door wait. Um, No, she was wonderfully eccentric and very... You know, she's great company. And she always brings her dog on set as well. Which is yeah, the lovely thrilling. dog. Yes, yeah. yes. June, uh, it was uh, pay, uh, Juno was the name, and she had a paycock, but he passed away. And uh, tell me this, I, I oddly didn't recognise it as Ireland. I thought maybe you were using Scotland to... I thought maybe it was up there. Um, yeah, so where are you from, though? Uh, I'm down uh, the south, Westport. Yeah. Oh, so that so you wouldn't necessarily have recognised the coast that we were filming on, which was in near Bray. So we were shooting uh, just outside Dublin down in Bray and Balbriggan was the harbour because we wanted to have a, a real working harbour. So, And it is the most beautiful part of the world and down to Wicklow as well. We were near there going that way. And the house you live in, come on, let's buy that. Yeah, I think it was available, actually. It used to be, now you're going to correct me, what's it, the Titian of Ireland, is it? The uh, the Taoiseach. Yeah, the Taoiseach. That was his former residence. And it was a kind of old uh, art deco place that was crumbling. And uh, it was it gave our piece a brilliant eccentricity and character to it. Yeah, built in the 20s, beautiful. beautiful. And is it, I mean, it, it looks like it is right on the beach. 
Uh, that's the beauty of CGI, isn't it? Oh, okay. So. It was in a suburb of where are we? <laughs> sort of yeah, near near Bray. Yeah. You're kidding me. Oh yeah, I mean it's amazing what they can do. You know, you can. Uh, I mean, I was doing a show earlier in the year where you just stand like in a sort of uh, a cage fighting thing, and there are all these thousands of cameras around you, and they flash at you, and then you're instantly digitalized, and they can move you around to the back of the shot on anything that they've filmed. I mean, it's just bizarre. But with this, it was more conventional blue screen. But yes, there are places, and I'm trying to remember the name of the bay down from Dublin that have that kind of scenario where you walk out of this beautiful house and down to the beach. And I suppose as a someone who's not really been to Ireland before, that Dublin is a kind of it's kind of a resort capital. You know, there's all these beaches and then when the sun came out it was that hugely hot summer. It was it was extraordinarily beautiful. Nice job. <laughs> it was and if for those of you all of you having listened to this will be watching it. Uh, the house that is a flat that an Iron's character, Ryan, and uh, uh, Poppy's character, Abby, when they go and live, that I stayed in that house. So that was my digs. Wow. Uh, we should th- Jason Watkins is my guest. Uh, he stars in The Catch. It starts this Wednesday at nine on Channel 5. Now, I think I'm right. It then continues on Thursdays. Ah, yes. At so, nine o'clock. Yeah, so it's, it's, yes, it's weekly. So it's a discussion about whether you should run it three or four, you know, four days in a row, as it were. But I think this particular thing, because it's a thriller, it has the potential, and I'm sure, I hope it, it uh, bears out that it's a sort of uh, something you can talk about in the week and build up. People will be talking about it. Yes. It goes on, it's great. I can't talk about the other episodes. No, because I've only seen episode one. Yeah. So I don't know where it goes. Yeah, and I think, Hopefully it's done its job, the first episode, and people wondering where it's going to go. But believe me, it goes on a real roller coaster. Uh, and all the families under pressure, you know. Uh, I mean, it's worth saying that they, the family have lost a child, Josh, 10 years ago. And that, they've not really dealt with that. Well, certainly Ed hasn't. And you probably know that I myself lost a child. So I, that was one of the reasons that I sort of took this on. I, You know, it was something that I felt would be an opportunity in a way to just to share a little bit about what it's like to lose a child within a family. But And, and I felt it was so well written that, that this could be a place to do it. And so, but that kind of pressure plus economic, the financial pressure that yes. it's under. And the, so it, but it, then it does turn from that into a kind of thriller. And so, that pesky Ryan shows up. Yeah, like exactly. Yada. And I mean, there's one of my favourite films is, uh, is uh, Three Days of Condor, which is a Robert Redford film. And obviously... I, I look very much like Robert very, Redford. Very, People like, yes. say that all the time. Yes. Uh, it's called Three Days of Condor, and it's just about this guy who enters a world he doesn't understand, but he's got to work his way, he's got to work it out how he's going to negotiate it. And it's a bit like that, that all these pressures come on, Ed, and I, I don't usually get cast in this kind of part. I don't look like Robert Redford or Tom Cruise. Oh, stop it. Thank you, darling. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm a kind of... It's a kind of an everyman trying to get do the best for his family, I suppose. And there are four episodes. Is this ba- it's based on a book, this? Yeah, it's, it's uh, T.M. Logan. It's based on his book, although we take the central theme of it, really, more than detailed, you know, passages of it. We've taken the central themes of it and mashed it up. Michael Crompton has written a rather brilliant, uh, a brilliant script. And there are four episodes, but if people fall in love, and I'm sure they will fall in love with Ed Collier, uh, could he return to his trawler? Uh, I'm not allowed to say, because, hmm. you know, I, I, can't, I can't say. I might tell you afterwards, but I, that's not fair, is it? No, I, no. I can't, because that would be part of the sort of 
thriller element. And it's available on My Five, which is the Channel Five catch-up. Is it, is it one of those things where they're dropping it all there? Can you binge it there? Do you know what? I don't know. I don't think so. I think what they'll do is... Uh, Spread it across those weeks, but I may be wrong. I should know this, shouldn't I? But no one's talking. You, you, you ought to know it, really. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, but what, but also for you, would you watch it? Do, are you one of those people? Do you watch your own stuff when it goes out? I all, yeah, I watch my stuff on a loop at home at weekends <laughs> normally. Uh, bring eating, all the family. Eating cold soup. Yeah. Yeah. So if you come round, if you know, if I'm inviting you for dinner or lunch on a Sunday, you'll be watching. No. So I've done. Have you, that ever happened to you? I've been to someone's house and they made me watch something they were in. No, I've never done that. Ronald Reagan used to do that, didn't he? He used to invite people around and watch his B-movies. Uh, it says a lot about him, doesn't it? But uh, I think... Uh, no, I get it. No-one wants Around the World in 80 Days, which was a family drama, uh, wonderful, you know, exotic locations, trying to get all the family. My kid's just not interested in... You know, and they're quite proud of the nativity. They'll watch, they'll watch that because all their mates sort of yes. like it. But, no, it's difficult getting everybody around the television. But do you watch it? Do you watch it? No. Do I watch like on my Wednesday, On Wednesday night at 9 o'clock, where will Jason oh, yeah, Watkins no, be? Well, I'll watch it, yeah. It's, it tends to be a bit of a car crash <laughs> first time you watch it because you're so sort of traumatised. You want it to be so good and you want everyone to it, for it to, to work. I mean, I've seen the first time and it's brilliant, you know, but it's difficult watching oneself. Then you watch it the second time and you go, OK, yeah, that's that guy, I get it now. And you lose the shock of seeing yeah. how bald you are, for example. Well, stop it. And it is, it is, I have to say, it is beautifully directed. It is yeah, gorgeous Rob, to look at. Yeah, Rob Quinn, who's, who I worked with on McDonald and Dodds. We did a, an episode and I just really like him. And he's just, and he asked me to do this. He said, are you interested? Yeah, and it was shooting, he's no fool, it was shooting in Bray about, you know, 200 yards from his house where he lives. So, ah, no, go figure, that, go figure. Uh, yeah. And a Brit, can I say, just this brilliant Irish cast uh, and, and, so, and so, crew so experienced because there's so many big shows made yeah. in the huge Irish film industry you know the, the skill level and is, is exceptional and they're just really nice to work with it was just a great experience he wants to go back he wants the taller he wants the taller taken out of, of retirement uh, The Catch is the name of the show it is gr- well I've only seen episode one but it is very hooky you are right. in you are in uh, it's on Channel 5 next Wednesday at 9 o'clock and then continues on Thursdays and you can watch the whole thing on My 5 Jason Watkins thank you so much for coming to see us enjoy the rest of your weekend thank you bye Thank you so much for joining me on the Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. And hey, have you clicked that follow button on all of our socials? We're also on TikTok. I know. Just look up Virgin Radio UK on all platforms to see everything from gorgeous dishes to Graham's guides. For now, speak to you soon. The Graham Norton Radio Show with Waitrose. Food to feel good about. Virgin Radio.